Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy, here with my first cup of coffee. It's really good. <laughs> mm, today is Tuesday, March 2nd, and I'm realizing I didn't flip over my paper calendar. How unlike me. Usually I'm very excited to flip over to a new month and a new image. Although I kind of like the one that's on here. It's um kind of like a goth kinky fairy kind of thing. You guys want to see it? I bet you want to see it and then I'll flip over the calendar. See, for those of you on video can see, those of you on audio only will have to go with how I described it. But yeah, so let's see what March is. The, uh, the, the title on that particular image is Oubliette de la Cour. And it's a, a she's in a heart shaped cage of barbed wire. So that's a, a several, uh, a play on several things because oubliette, of course, uh, in French, this would mean the forgotten heart. Oubliette it was the hole in which they would put prisoners because that meant that that's where they were forgotten. J'ai oublié, as I've forgotten, and then of the heart. Uh, but then also um, that's uh, like the sacred heart is an image too, only usually with uh, Virgin Mary, not Kinky Fairy. So I think it's a cool calendar. I like the, uh, it, it turns out it's from 77. It says, um, Gothic alchemy from 1977. So, um, I like the darkness of it, which is interesting that there was more of that then. So this one is called wisdom of the dark fool. Well, that's pretty cool. Isn't it? It's like a, a Harlequin only he's, uh, got a skull skeleton and he's holding a, a blue rose or a midnight rose. And then also, um, I forget what you call that. That has the Joker's head on the end of it. There's some neat side images in that as well. So, so here we are Tuesday, March 2nd. Uh, for those of you who have been listening to me for a long time, you heard my whole, um, trials of the calendar, uh, back at the end of the year. I never did find that. Still have not found that. I have no idea what became of it. Maybe it cut. Now I, now I have this compulsion to start looking for it again. I don't know what happened to that thing, you guys. Um, I think I must've inadvertently thrown it away. What I really hope is that it wasn't a case where it was never delivered. I think maybe it was never delivered and I didn't, realize it, which sucks for me because that uh, I, sometimes I wonder how much they count on people not paying attention. Here I am not paying attention. Alas. So today's jewelry has a Loki theme. There is a reason for this because I came upon, came up to these earrings, which are fairly simple. Again, very inexpensive little beaded earrings. They're a series of green and gold, um, you know, like the kind that you could just buy at 
of Michael's, you know, those kinds of beads. Although I know Michael's has expensive beads. And then there's a, the bottom one is sort of like a twisty gold serpentine shape. And the ear cuff, it's not kind of a cool ear cuff. It looks prettiest on. So I'm just going to leave it there. But it's a series of green jewels set in gold. And it follows, well, I won't leave it completely on. Um, there are four of them with a loop on either end. And so it makes a whole chain along the ear, which I think is really pretty cool. Yeah. And so then I am also wearing a necklace today, which I don't often do, but this is part of the reason for all of this jewelry, which I will tell you that I bought pretty much off of Etsy. <laughs> and there was a reason for this. So here's the pendant. And those of you on video will see that it is green backed and has a gold image of, um, Loki's horns. So the reason that I bought all this stuff was for a conference costume once because back in sort of the height of the Avengers, hot topic had dresses for the various Avengers. And I bought the Loki dress because I couldn't help myself. Um, I was very close to getting a black widow dress, but you know what? If I have a patron saint, it would be Loki, which I know is appalling to some people because some people can't get over the fact that, that Loki's like the bad guy. Um, but if you continue watching the Avengers movies, he's not always the bad guy and he comes in useful multiple times. But, you know, Loki is the trickster. Loki is the troublemaker. Loki is um, that little element of chaos. And if you know me at all, you know that I uh, appreciate the, the trickster. So I had planned um, my online chapter, Fantasy Futuristic and Paranormal Writers, has a costume party at RWA National every year or had back when we had in-person conferences and the theme in New York I'm we would go to New York every three years so I think it must have been 2016 in New York City which would probably match the height of the Avengers thing and whenever we have it in New York City we would make the theme be like superheroes and so I was gonna go sort of as my Loki tribute because I always have multiple publisher parties on that same night so I've only ever gone like full out costume and that was my first year and I I felt kind of um I don't know Dorky. I went as Catwoman. I actually wore a skin tight Catwoman suit, which I think is probably not going to happen again. Though I still have it. Uh, so I bought the Hot Topic Loki dress, which just sort of has similar, you know, like the green and gold symbols and stuff. And then I bought this kind of ridiculous jewelry off of Etsy to go with the dress. And that was going to be kind of my outfit for the evening. And it's, um, you know, like a simple sort of straight across bodice, like knee length dress. And I thought, well, I could kind of pull it off as a cocktail dress anyway. And then you guys, I forgot the fucking dress. 
I had, and I am meticulous about setting up my outfits too. You know, like I plan everything and I had them all together and the Loki dress was like on the end and it was dark and shadowy enough and maybe like not enough like my conference dresses. I like was getting all ready to get dressed and I was tearing through all of my outfits and no Loki dress. And I got home and there it was just sort of hanging there in my closet, smiling at me going, forget something. Doesn't it just figure that it was a Loki dress. I mean, I'm not saying that there was a little bit of trickster chaos at play there, but so, so that's my, uh, long Loki story. Uh, and the upshot of it is, is that I have never worn that dress. Not once, not once, because where do you wear a Loki dress? Right? So I still have it because I think why not? <laughs> paid for this dress. Fortunately, it was not expensive, but you know, it's like, um, I should, I should like sell it on Etsy. I should do a giveaway. Do you guys want a Loki dress? Somehow I think among my readers and listeners there, there's going to be someone out there who wants a Loki dress. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things, you know, I, I guess at least I got amusement out of the shopping for it and the accoutrements. And I actually have worn this jewelry a few times, um, which amuses me because people find it kind of perplexing. Um, depending on what circle of my life people know me from, they are occasionally bemused that I am. They'll look at the, the Loki helmet, you know, and it's one of those things, one of those pieces of jewelry that's like a litmus test for people because there are people who instantly recognize what it is. And then there are people who don't know what it is even after you explain it to them. And it, it just tells you a lot about the person. So, uh, where do you fall out? I know you guys all recognize the Loki symbol. So, None of that. Well, I guess it does have to do with writing. Uh, you know, that was a fun thing about conferences was, you know, like planning the outfits and planning what we were going to do and the parties and so forth. Uh, and so maybe, maybe one day again. Coming up, um, RWA is supposed to have the conference in Opryland this year. RWA does things differently because they um, sign contracts with the hotels like five years out because it's such a big conference and they, um, you know, so they were able to get out of it last year because it was supposed to be in San Francisco sob. It's <laughs> so fun. But now, you know, the, cause California wouldn't let them gather. So, but Opryland is holding out. Um, and of course it's in the South where no more need be said. Uh, so I don't know. Well, will they have the in-person conference? Will I go? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the one thing that is an inescapable outcome of pandemic year for me is that without traveling, I get a lot more writing done. Uh, and that's supposed to be my primary occupation, right? And I've talked before about on the podcast here 
just how much more rested I am that I don't have those, um, you know, exhausting myself at conferences and then taking a long time to recover. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's like, you know, limiting my conference jaunts is probably the logical thing to do, though I've also really missed that society. So I think I'm going to have to like come up with some sort of intelligent balance. I know, shocking. <laughs> but I'm going to just cross that bridge. I understand that they have decided not to do uh, San Diego Comic Con 2021. Again, will not be an in-person conference. I saw that because uh, the Mysterious Galaxy Bookstore, um, which is in San Diego and is sci-fi fantasy genre uh, focused, this is going to be the second year that they will not have that income, which was a massive income for them every year. It was kind of, I think it was like their Christmas. And so they're really putting out a plea for help. So I will link to Mysterious Galaxy if you want to order some books from there. I'm thinking about contacting them and offering like some signed books or maybe we can do some kind of deal for uh, Promised Queen. They they did a nice event for me for Fiery Crown, although it was in the middle of of chaos. I mean, we had to postpone it once because it was going to be on the same night as one of the big Black Lives Matters meltdowns. I mean, it's like, I don't remember which one it was, but, you know, the events coordinator contacted me and said, you know, it seems wrong to do an event tonight. And I said, I totally agree. And postpone it. So, you know, it's, as I was talking about yesterday, I think we're all still assimilating and processing this year and we will see, just see how things go. But yeah, if you want to order books from an indie bookstore, Mysterious Galaxy is a great one to do that. Uh, really, really wonderful people there. So let's see. I am making tracks on Sorceress Queen and the Pirate Rogue. I um, I did pay attention to where I was yesterday, and it is like around 45,000 words. Um, interesting developments. As a uh, someone who writes for Discovery, a pantser, you guys know I don't like that term, but people recognize it. Uh, it's always interesting to see where a story goes, and this one has is surprising me. Uh, one of uh, the gals that I am coaching, doing my author coaching for, I should link to that because I am still available for author coaching if you guys want that. But she has been going back through the podcasts I did in November of 2019, where I spent the whole month um, sort of in honor of NaNoWriMo. Um, I did Pants NaNoWriMo. Because there are so many courses, classes offered on plotting for pantsers. And I said, I really want to teach pantsing for plotters. Um, and she had been asking me some questions. And I said, you know, you might go back and listen to those. I don't know how coherent it is. But go back and listen to those and see what you think. Uh, you know, it might, you know, get at least get her started. And she said there was a lot of good information in there. Go figure. Uh, and I might, I'm, I'm really considering taking all of the podcasts from that month and transcribing them and putting them into a book. 
and trying to to coherently teach how to it's it's basically like writing from the subconscious it's it's trusting your own creative self to tell the story instead of trying to control every damn thing and and she this girl was saying you know it's interesting that you see so many classes on teaching plotting but not not the reverse like this and you know and i think it's because people know how to teach plotting teaching plotting is um much more concrete right and teaching outlining you know oh you must outline and i think i'm actually i want you guys to know you all know that um you may or may not know. Dorinda Jones is like the queen of outlining. She writes these massive outlines, 80, 90,000, 80, 80, 90, 80, 90 page outlines, very, very detailed outlines. And I am getting her to pants. The novella that she's been writing, I am I trying to get her to not spend so much time because she has three stages. She will write an outline. Then she does a skeleton key. Then she drafts the book. and. After spending, I've been co-writing with her, not co-writing, writing at the same time, co-working because, and it's, I'm coaching her too, because, you know, she really wanted some help on being more productive, more efficient. And so we've been working together since like August, I think. So six months now. And after observing her process, you know, this is a fairly intensive coaching, right? Uh, but she can afford me. <laughs> uh, I, I've pointed out to her that she's basically writing the book three times and it's the outline and then the skeleton key is more in depth but she like has snippets of scenes and dialogue and all this stuff in her skeleton key and she ports it over to the draft but then she ends up changing everything again you know and i i've said to her why not just do this all in document you know if 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 what this is is essentially multiple revision passes why not just treat it that way um, so that you're not doing the same work over and over? Because she ends up discarding like half of what she's done. So it's very interesting to see the results of this um, because I think I can teach people how, you know, that it, it's so much the common wisdom that, you know, oh, you must outline first. And I don't think that, no, for some people, maybe, yeah, it works. I don't think it works for everybody. And I don't think it's, um, I think sometimes it can be really counterproductive. So there's my take on that. Uh, and one other question that this gal asked me was that I had mentioned in passing about the archives at Texas A&M. And she asked me to explain a little bit more. And I realized I touched on it and breezed over it. Um, you know, it's basically keeping my papers. So. So one example of this would be like if you read A.S. Byatt's Possession, where they're researching the Victorian poets and they go to the archives and dig out the collection of like all of their papers, all of their working documents, correspondence, um, early drafts of things, associated materials. And, you know, the scholars dig through them and discover all sorts of delightful insights and so forth. And so. Um, Jeremy Brett, Jeremy at Texas A&M, uh, maintains the archives of a lot of science fiction and fantasy writers, and I am one of them. So I just occasionally send him a box of um, things like 
arcs of my books or the marked up page proofs, that sort of thing, which may potentially be interesting to somebody someday. Um, probably not, but <laughs> one can dream. But, you know, I think it's good to preserve the history of this kind of thing. And, and he invited me to do it. So who am I to say no? And yeah, it is cool. It's kind of cool to think that um, maybe somebody, someday somebody will want that stuff. Uh, and it's, it's just good to preserve things. You know, I'm a, a believer in, in, uh, in archiving data because you never know when data points might become useful. So, and I even gave him permission. I'm, I assume he still does it uh, to like, crawl my website and podcasts and stuff so that they archive all the digital material too. Preserved for posterity, people. So on that note, I think I shall um, go preserve my posterity elsewhere, <laughs> put my posterior to work, and I will um, talk to you all on Thursday. Sorry, Mom, I'm still not going to podcast on Wednesdays. She texts me on Wednesdays and says, I hate no podcast days. There we are. First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find more podcasts that you love that you could listen to on Wednesdays at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all Thursday. You all take care. Bye-bye.